0: Four, three,
1: two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Black in the Maritimes. I'm Fidel and I'm here with uh, I listened to his music and it was really cool. I listened to his mix on Mixcloud. Now it was pretty dope. Uh, I definitely uh, like his music. He's a DJ producer part of the Amazona sound uh sound system so DJ Topcat or Topcat Amazona how you doing
0: i'm good i'm good how are you fidel
1: i'm doing pretty good uh, okay. i i was listening to your mixes and it, it gives me i'm from the caribbean myself i'm from okay. the dominican republic originally okay. so uh but i've been to the islands and stuff like that so it gave me that cool caribbean vibe that I that, that gets me energetic <laughs> so that was that was pretty cool so so before we talk about the music and what do you do and, and things like that let, let's go a little bit back where did you grow up
0: I grew up I grew up in um castries St. Lucia on a street called Chaucer Road around an area called Wilton's Yard also known as the graveyard
1: wow so for those people that don't know St. Lucia it's an island it is in the caribbean so tell us for somebody that never know that has never been to saint lucia how how did you how, how can you describe it
0: it's a majestic luscious beautiful island amazing talented people friendly people um some i think some of the the best food in, and best scenery in the caribbean <laughs> uh but uh, others would say that but yeah that's that's just my opinion it's a beautiful place. Um, like every like every developing nation it does has have its struggles, but um it's a beauty it's it's a magical place i I would say that some places you go in saint Lucia you just look at it and you could only like wonder who who created it' <laughs> this kind of thing yeah.
1: Huh. uh I, it's a it's definitely a beautiful place uh it it was a French colony for a bit it's not a French colony anymore, right no
0: it, it's um it's it's a it's a british colony right now but um i'd say well there's a history it was seven times French seven times british in the war back in the seventeen 1700s 1600s around there there um they fought for it fourteen times. And um, the best way to describe it, I'd say, it's a French place. It's an English colony with French culture.
1: Yeah, I, I would say that. Yeah, I, I would say that they they speak uh, what you guys call Creole, which Creole. is kind of like a, uh, it's kind of like a, it's French, but it's with with their own little things. So same yeah. things they have in Haiti, yeah, uh, yeah. which they have their French Creole as well. And uh, yes, I would recommend people. Everywhere you go in the Caribbean, the food is amazing. Yeah, I don't everywhere. care. If you if you go to the West Indies, which is part of it, if you go to St. Croix, St. Martin, Trinidad, Dominican, Haiti, Jamaica, all and, the uh, food is amazing. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> the, oh, the-
0: yeah, that's yeah, that's one thing we We have in the Caribbean. I don't know how we got it, but we are able to make some tasty food.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. well, it's uh, it's kind of funny. I I kind of know the history about that. It's uh, it's because of if you remember, all of those places had their own uh, tribes, which they were probably what you would call natives right like people that great but the english the spanish the portuguese they pretty much killed them all at, at some point or they mixed with them with the other one so what they did is that they brought slaves from africa so those places so what happened was is that in africa they had their own cuisine but there wasn't any ingredients at that point so they had to mix it with their uh, French with the Portuguese with the Spanish, so a lot of oh, those oh, things oh. come from an African-European mix of things. Uh, the sense. season is definitely African. There's no way they—if <laughs> you ever been there—there's no way in hell that they have that seasoning. Uh, but yes, it, it is a a lot of the plates. That's why they bury. For example, Dominican has a lot of mix of African and Spanish cooking, mm-hmm. and if you go to uh, Jamaica or some places, they have a lot of English. Uh, with a little bit of even Hindu cooking as well, okay. even some Asian in it, so it's it, there is a whole lot, but again, this well. is not, yeah, this is not a cooking show, yeah. so <laughs> this is not a cooking podcast, so we're not gonna go. So, so you grow up in St. Lucia, and uh, again, till what time are you there?
0: I'm there till about 1920, probably about 20.
1: 19. Yeah. So you were in, you were in, you did high school and you probably did college as well there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so this is a something that if you're not from the Caribbean, you probably won't know this, but people that are from Caribbean, in the Caribbean and Latin America and places like that, there you go to private school. You mostly go to private school, or even if you go to public school, school they have uniforms. You yeah. you wear a uniform. Yeah, uniform. And. and that uniform tells you what school you were in. So, and even if, and I can tell you this, if you left the school to go someplace else, they absolutely yeah. knew exactly where you you school. Yeah.
0: Exactly <laughs> what school you went to. Yeah, in St. In, like, in, in, in Lucia at the time growing up, um, we had a really good public school system. Um, so most of the schools in St. Lucia were public. Still are, I guess, but they're a bit more private schools now. Um, yeah, most of the schools I think were public, apart from the Seventh-day Adventist School and another primary school. Most of the schools in St. Lucia were public. Still are actually.
1: Oh, cool. And and what kind of kid were you in school?
0: Um, I I gave trouble. <laughs> I gave trouble. Um, I was an athlete. Um I played a lot of soccer, and I also did like track as well, and I did a few other things. But um, yeah, I was, you know, I was in the, those teenage years. I guess my rebellion was a little bit <laughs> more than more than most. I would say.
1: Oh wow! So like, what happened when you got in trouble? Like, like when you got in trouble in school and you had to go home? What 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 exactly happened?
0: Well, I, I came from a very strict background, so um, sometimes, uh, you know, in the Caribbean, we grew up sometimes with, with uh, getting a, a beating from our parents or grandparents sometimes, and I definitely grew up in a situation where it was like a community that raised, raised the child, so um, it was more like... Sometimes, if my if my my grandparents friends saw me doing something out of the way, they would just discipline me, kind kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that kind of situation for us.
1: So you you got a whooping from the neighbor, and then you got a whooping from your house.
0: Yeah, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, yeah, sometimes, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. That that happened. I remember. To me, as it happened as well. I remember one time. I think it was my. Yeah, well, I think it was my aunt. my aunt used to live like two two blocks or like a block. And and I did something and she whooped me. Go to your home. Yeah. And I was crying. And I told my mom, like, oh, my Aunt Baroque whooped me. She's like, oh really? What did you do? <laughs> what did this you is? Do? and then she whooped me too. She's like, whoa.
0: <laughs> that day I, I never go well, on. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Go, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, you go ahead.
0: Um, that has to be a cultural thing. It has to be, it has to be like a cultural thing because. Yeah, because ha- most people I know who come from the Caribbean sort of go through the similar th- for a similar thing. So it has to be cultural.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, it it's something that uh, again, I'm not a hundred percent how Saint Lucia is, but in a lot of the in a lot of the islands, what happens is is that uh, there was this commodity of, and again, times have changed drastically because before we didn't know what things were going in Europe. We we only saw it through magazines and and news and TV. Now everybody with their phone can see what's happening everywhere. Uh, What what happens in those islands is that people, it it were small communities. So people, uh, everybody knew everybody, right? And there was a certain type of respect and loyalty and some type of uh, camaraderie that comes from the European side, but it was never... Translated into law for when people were slaves, but they knew the education was passed on, right? So that was the type of like the whoopings that people, uh, the whooping, the whoopings actually come from a dark place. They come from the slave master whooping this slave. Okay. And it was a type of punishment. That's how it, that's where it comes from, uh which is a horrible way to do, but that's, it got passed
0: on. Yeah. yeah you're okay. I understand now.
1: Yeah. which was that but but you know it it, it is a it is a, it is a Caribbean thing because it, it was part of that that history so you were a trouble kid at school you 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 definitely had your ways uh you were an athlete so you played soccer you play in the soccer team and in yeah. the track team
0: yeah yeah I did soccer and track yeah. yeah and how
1: long you did that for
0: um most of my secondary schools i say about four or five years from the period of 12 to 17 maybe. Okay. Yeah, well, and what what, got, what what got you into that um well i on one side of my family most everybody on one side of my family is usually athletes and for track one day i just decided to try it out and i was pretty fast um so i just i just stuck with it for a while um yeah, and i have a few gold medals a few silver oh really
1: yeah. So you went into that level, like you—you you were almost like in an Olympic type level.
0: I'm um, no, I wouldn't say Olympic, but I was training to be there because it was high school. So I at high school, I don't think I'd be at at Olympics. But um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I won a few gold medals for my high school.
1: Wow, that's incredible. Though. That's pretty cool. So when do you start like getting into music? Like, when when does that music bug starts with you?
0: Um, the music bug starts probably at. Three or four. Um, So my dad's a musician, um, mainly jazz and reggae. He played in the hotel circuits and stuff. Um, And my musical influence, most of it comes from him. Um, So he used to have a lot of LPs. And for those who don't know what LPs are, they're like records, vinyl records. And and he had one tin table. And I, I remember being like, maybe... Five or six, could be even seven, and I would take the records, put the needle on, and try to scratch them. And he would hit my hand and I'm like you're damaging my records, <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know at the time, right? But um, yeah, I think that's where the bug started. Well, my appreciation for music started at that time.
1: Oh wow! So that's a, that's really really early. And and yeah. again, you said jazz and reggae, and your dad was in, what? What instrument did he play?
0: He plays the piano keyboard.
1: Oh wow. Yeah, he's yeah. so, really good. I, I, I can, I hope to be as good as him. <laughs> do you play yeah. the piano as well?
0: Yeah, but not as good as him.
1: Okay, it's, but hey, t- t- something is something. So, so yeah. you have the music book since you were little. Your dad was a musician, so that's comes from. You're an athlete. Uh, you go to high school, and I'm assuming you do school and university uh, yeah, as yeah. well.
0: Yes, yeah, so I after high school, um, well pretty much started DJing at the end of high school kind of thing, professionally. And then I say professionally, kind of like taking money to, to do gigs kind of thing. Um, okay. So um, that's when, so I went to high school and then I went to um, community college. And then after that, I worked for a while, for about a while. And then I, in that period of working, we started Amazon and then I, I left St. Lucia. Yeah, a bit frustrated of just being stagnant. And then I I found a way to to leave. I used the catalyst as cool to give me a reason to leave. And then I left. It was in Toronto for a while and then came to Nova Scotia.
1: Okay, so you leave, you're playing. Also, So you started your DJ in St. Lucia.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So how was it to play there like like what 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 was this scene like like being a dj cuz I, again i come from a dj culture myself but mostly electronic music mm-hmm. uh mostly electronic music and hip hop but it was very it, it, i came from the underground scene right so mm-hmm. it was like we hated commercial stuff uh mm-hmm. but then we realized that the commercial music pays money yeah. <laughs> and we were <laughs> like whoa there's yeah. cash here so we were like maybe we should Kind of that. So, so how, how was it like that in St. Lucia or was it more like commercial? Like,
0: It was hardly commercial because I remember when I started playing, I hardly played any hip hop or, um, or pop, which is kind of like a change of my style today. But St. Lucia was mainly a, a reggae, dancehall, soca kind of place, Calypso. Um, some hip hop would play, but most. Most of the events we'd play would be mainly soca and dancehall kind of thing um at the time and nineties dancehall nineties, early two thousands dancehall.
1: So do you remember your first gig, like your first gig ever?
0: Yeah. 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 And my first gig ever was playing my little brother's first communion. And I remember um, I had music at the time and it was somebody else who brought the sound system. He was a, a, a major Calypsonian or soca artist in St. Lucia. But not at that time. In the future, he became that. But he was like, he had a sound system. And he came to play for my um, my brother's first communion. But I had those CDs. And I, I asked him to let me play. And he let me play. And apparently, I, I kind of did well. So I would just pretty much just... Kept on from there kind of thing.
1: Oh, wow. What year was
0: this? (sighs) That would have been like 99, maybe. Yeah, 99. Yeah, maybe about 99, 2000. Wow, this was almost
1: 20 years. And how old were you like when you started doing that that thing? Uh, I was about 12,
0: 12. Wow. So you started your first DJ
1: gig at 12.
0: Yeah, 12 or 13. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, my God, that's pretty young. That's a, yeah, like, I,
0: yeah, I started pretty that, young.
1: So you were like, like, and again, to for those of you that don't know sound system culture and stuff like that, like, because there's a yeah, yeah th-
0: there, yeah.
1: there is a, there is a culture on that. Like people, yeah, people get it twisted. There is a culture <laughs> that like in in the Caribbean and even in the States and even in hip hop, people used to go where the loudest sound system was. was yeah. That that's that's how it was in Dominican and New York and all those places, like it, it it was whoever had the loudest sound system, that's where the party was at.
0: It's still like so, that, still like that today. Um, still like that. Your sound system has to play clear, it has to be have clarity, there mustn't be a hum, and that's where people go. It's it's still like that to this day, to this day.
1: Yeah, and I, I remember that uh I went one time to Jamaica and in dominican we have well they have the same we call them cold models it's like these convenience stores that you get everything like you get like rice and all that stuff right and and in some places especially in the countryside or, or in the ghettos or in the, in the neighborhoods that's where the party's at as well because that's where the, the beer is right and people go and the guys they was like the convenience store we call them comados there was a convenience store that was like you got yourself your your things to cook and man and there was one that you got that as well but at night it, it was where it was popping because of the, the the sound system
0: similar thing similar thing back similar thing back i i guess most caribbean islands i've gone to it's a similar thing usually the sound system is put outside the shop and at uncertain nights and it's just sometimes a huge party sometimes an unexpected huge party but yeah a huge one. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: what that's where the people go to to drink and stuff and and get it because it's it's like it's it, it's it's like the club but not the
0: club but not the club. Well, you could say it's the club for people who can't afford to go to the club.
1: Yeah, that probably probably. But I mean, right. what what is a club anyways? It's lights and stuff and, and yeah. be, like it's the same thing everywhere. Yeah, so yeah, so you way. so yeah. you start young and and you you tell me you come here because you you were kind of sick of what like being like you you felt you felt you were stuck there.
0: Yeah, to a point. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And uh, tell us about that. Like, why? Why did you feel that that way? What was happening um,
0: at that point in my life? I just wasn't sure what the next step was. And when you're on an island, it's like you go any direction, you hit water, right? So it's like you can't go. <laughs> you can't even really further yourself the way you want to, if you want to, kind of thing, unless you have the capital. And so, um, and then I also wanted to, um. Get myself educated too, um, but yeah, that that was mainly it. And we had put out a bit of projects, um, but then again, like everywhere else, if you're not connected in certain industries, then nothing happens for you there. So you have to go and make it. And we were connected to a point, but we weren't connected, connected like if you understand what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, no, no I, I I definitely understand. I mean, it's it, especially in places that there's a small network, like there's only yeah. a small round of people, right? Yeah yeah so yeah. you get that so so you're coming to to canada as a student is that how you how you come here
0: yeah 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 i came to canada as a student yeah but i came so i came and i stayed with my mom in toronto first um got my pr and then became a student actually so yeah. okay
1: so, so your mom lives in canada so yeah, she like, lives in
0: canada yeah in toronto
1: okay so were you here before have you ever been here before yeah first?
0: at so i had be, i had been to Toronto um a few times before because my mom had uh, she lived in Canada since 96.
1: Okay. So you were familiar with the with the territory. You were familiar yeah. with the place. So so yeah. you came here and uh like how was it there was one thing visiting but there's one thing living. And you're you're in a big place, right? You're in the biggest place yeah. in Canada. So so how was that like like what what was the first thing that you started doing in there?
0: In Toronto or Nova Scotia or Halifax
1: In Toronto We'll, we'll um, get to the, we'll go to the Halifax part um,
0: I was just really just checking out the scene One thing I had to I had to understand how to adapt to a big city Pretty quick Because visiting is one thing And then living is another thing And then um, You get to somewhere and you have to Figure it out because you're Sometimes you're a naive small island kid And <laughs> when you're that you have more trust than you should for everybody kind of thing you tend to trust people a bit more (coughs) excuse me if you if you understand what i'm saying so i had to learn how to move in a bigger city and learn not to trust as much kind of thing or learn to trust the right people if you if you get what i'm saying and yeah yeah it's a yeah go ahead sorry
1: no, no, it's a big city. Like a big city is, uh, you know, it, there's a whole lot of people that you may think they're, again, you go from knowing everybody to knowing nobody.
0: Nobody, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and my mom was pretty good in helping me understand how to navigate a big metropolitan society kind of thing. Um, she had been in it for a while, so she had imparted some knowledge onto me, which helped me to even how I move today.
1: So what year was that that you that you started living in in Toronto? 2008,
0: 2008. Yeah.
1: OK, so there's this is the the MP3 era. Spotify wasn't the
0: thing. <sighs> no, Spotify. See, people are, are kind of still, um, yeah, MP3 iPods. That's how music is being consumed, consumed, sorry.
1: Yeah. OK, so uh, so walk us through like. Toronto it's divided like like it it's they say and I can tell you this is my opinion they say Canada is a melting pot uh, and when they say that personally for me i think they think about the big cities toronto vancouver but when you montreal. come like places like the maritimes it's like whoa wait a minute this is not the melting <laughs> this ain't a melting pot here this yeah. is not what you think it is <laughs> yeah. so so where did you stayed in in toronto and, and how was that like cuz you probably got accustomed to people that were from your place or caribbean or things like that
0: yeah well in toronto i didn't know anything past montreal I didn't it just didn't occur to me that Canada existed past Montreal right and when when, for the first part we lived in an Italian neighborhood and then we moved and then we moved um, to a different neighborhood but in Toronto everywhere you move is called multicultural unless you move to like a specific area kind of thing right it's it's a really multicultural city everybody you could see a lot of black people around you a lot of white people around you a lot of asian people around you at any point in time right um and having visited for some time before i had kind of gotten used to that um so i understood the melting pot and within the community where we lived we it was really like there was everybody who lived in, in in our building so um yeah that was like my most first multicultural well, not my first, but I'd gotten used to that multicultural experience in Toronto.
1: So yeah. So you come from that multicultural experience to Nova Scotia. What what happened that you made you move? Out of all places, you moved to and again, Halifax is a lovely place, but from Toronto to Halifax, what what, what exactly made you move?
0: Well, the thing is, um, went back to St. Lucia. Um and then I was looking for a bit and trying to figure out the next thing, right? And I walk into this mall and I see this college fair. And at these college fairs, there's Saint Mary's University and Dalhousie, Univers- Dalhousie University with tables there, right? And I'm like, Nova Scotia. I've never, never thought about Nova Scotia before. And then um, I, I also grew up in an around an area. Um, that had a lot of stuff going on. So I had a lot of friends who had passed through gun violence and stuff. So with all those things hanging off, I'm like, yo, I need a fresh start kind of thing. Um, because regardless of if anything happens, anytime you lose friends, it takes a heavy toll on you. And, I, and there were a the period of 2006, maybe to 2007, 2008, I lost a lot of friends, like, the, the, yeah, the gun violence just, And it was just by virtue Of just being in the area Where I had grown up at that time, right? Um, oh, wow I had moved out, but all my childhood Friends were still in that area Kind of, and they were still friends But anytime you lose friends It takes a heavy a heavy toll on you um, Especially when you lose Friends young At your young, closer to your, your Age group as well um, So had a job at the time, um, and I went to the college fair. And I'm like, Nova Scotia. It, it, I I just happened to get to that stall. I just happened to it. Just I just happened to be direct. I don't even know what got me there. And they, they explained it to me. I figured out what I wanted to do. I took the brochures home and I made an application. Two months later, I got um, I got my acceptance. Started putting things in place to leave organizing loans and everything and then yeah that's how that's that's how I I found I pretty much found out Scotia. And I had a friend who went to St. Mary's at the time he was back home for for doing something and I just asked him how it was and he told me it's not that bad so I just pursued it and just came here
1: oh wow And, and the the funny thing is is that uh you know you you kind of put a point there that that it's 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 a sad point that people don't see it from this neck of the woods when they think about the Caribbean, they think about vacation, that's they they think about vacation. Yeah. And they don't see that they most of these places are poor. They're developed.
0: Yeah. yeah. So well,
1: when you see when you see that there was poverty, there's going to be violence.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and in the area where, I'd, I like, like I say, my dad had worked hard to move us out of there, so all my brothers, we had moved out of there, but I still had friends I had grown up with there, kind of thing. And, yeah, it, yeah, it, it, it's the part of the Caribbean. I also I always tell everybody, hey, because I usually get that question, like, um, wh- why did you leave this, the sunshine to come here? And, and sometimes I look at it, and I just have to smile, and, and I know sometimes if I had to really explain to somebody why I left to come here, I'm not even sure they would understand, kind of thing. If you understand, because they see the Caribbean and all they see is sunshine, beaches, good food and everything. But yeah, like I said, it's developing and it has developing nation problems and yeah.
1: yeah, it's it's a, it's the same everywhere. I mean, if yeah. you look at the Latin America or the Caribbean, the, those places are are developed and uh, they're poor uh, again. There's a lot of poverty. There's a lot of uneducation. Like people don't don't even understand that some kids don't go to school. Like when people yeah. like they they because they have to work. Like and it's not because. And when people say, "Oh, that's child labor," it's like, well, it is and it isn't. Yeah. there's generations of poverty there and, and there's not really a choice.
0: Yeah exactly. It's it's yeah yeah it's not I I even know of some people who I grow grew up with at the time where um they had nobody like both of their parents were junkies and they had they literally had nobody to look after them, right? Um and that stuff happens too. Um so, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, and I and again I, I tell people like uh, the same thing like like you said. I, sometimes I have to, they they won't even understand it, but I have to tell people like you see how you were here in a pandemic and you had CRBE and unemployment that doesn't exist that,
0: does, I, that doesn't exist. I yeah, I, I tell people that all the time. Unemployment and all those benefits it, it it doesn't exist. So if if you're in a bind, you're in a bind by yourself. Um, and it's unfortunate, but yeah, that's that's how it is, and probably some of that is what breeds, what <laughs> what happens in the inner cities in some of those places, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that that's how life is there, and and again, I think it's uh, to some people. Uh, it's a it's a lesson that you know sometimes we complain here that oh whatever, but it's like it's not really that bad when you go to <laughs> to other places, especially when you go to places like their poor countries that there's like, oh, there's no CRB, unemployment, childcare, there's nothing. Yeah, like you're no, you're, you're by yourself. The government doesn't work. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Or <laughs> like sometimes or sometimes the government is working with whatever little resources they have, and it, it's just not realistic for them to provide that. When they have a bunch yeah. Of it. yeah,
1: and I—I I mean the—the the fact that you see, and I think there's something that people haven't seen here, is that in—in in places you see generations of poverty, right? You see, like your grandfather didn't read, your dad didn't read, and you don't don't read because you had nobody to teach you how to read, and you didn't have school. You have to eat, so yeah. So that's definitely an eye an eye opening thing. So you come to Nova Scotia, uh, I—I want to tell you one of my experiences I came to a place called Miramichi New Brunswick have you ever been to New Brunswick
0: I've been to New Brunswick many times <laughs> yeah I, but I, I've heard of Miramichi but I've never been there
1: okay so I I land in a place called Miramichi New Brunswick and for me it was like what the hell is this it was a bunch of trees and, and it, it was like it's like, a movie. <laughs> it's like when you're a movie so what was your first impression when you landed in Nova Scotia
0: yeah so yeah i i I left um I think my mom dropped me to the airport in Toronto. I came back spent some time by her before I came back and she dropped me to the office to the airport um and when we were flying in compared to Toronto when you fly into Toronto, you see all these buildings and all this concrete all all this concrete around and and cars moving, and we're flying in and I'm like where the hell am I going I, I see all these trees And the airport in the middle of somewhere Around all these trees And I'm like yeah um, where, did I, where did I come to um, So yeah I, 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 I get out um, I get in the cab And um, the taxi driver Is like I tell him I'm going to send To St. Mary's And he's like okay I'll give you the best price So whatever the price I'm driving down And um, I'm looking at the city and for about 20 minutes we're driving, there are no buildings. (laughs) Like no buildings, it's just like um, a lake and some shrubbery on on either sides. And I'm like, where am I going? What mistake did I make? Right, right. Because even though I grew up on an island, I grew up in the city. So I'm used to seeing concrete and asphalt around me all the time. And then finally we pass what is now Dartmouth Crossing. And I'm like, okay, I see some civilization. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I see some civilization now. And then we continue going and I start to see houses and I'm like, okay. And then we get to the bridge. And then... We crossed the bridge. And at that time, I didn't know this the city of Halifax really well. But we happened to avoid the com the commons, because either there was like a black IPs concert at the Halifax Commons. Um, so there was a lot of traffic. So he takes a, a like an off-road. Maybe now I can't even remember the road because I didn't know the city at the time, and then he drops me to say, to Saint Mary's and um while moving to St. Mary's, I'm looking to see if I see any other people like me on, on the drive going to St. Mary's. And I kid you not, I, I didn't see like one, I didn't see one black person until three days later. But <laughs> <laughs> I was looking, I was looking because I was always like, because like, like I said, prior to, to when, when I was in Toronto, Canada for me stopped at Montreal. I didn't know anything past Montreal. I knew Vancouver. and But Canada, in, in my way of thinking, stopped at Montreal. So, yeah, and it, then I got the, yeah.
1: And it, it's not you. It's, it's a, lot, a lot of people. So, <laughs> pretty, so you, go ahead, sorry.
0: No, sorry. I'm saying pretty much, yeah, it was... Um, yeah, I, I thought Montreal was where Canada ended I actually thought Montreal Because I hadn't been to Montreal at that time I actually thought Montreal was where Nova Scotia was at this point Because I thought it was the furthest part of Canada East I was ignorant to the whole fact, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, if if you go like, I have cousins in New York They grew and they told me like Hey man, I'm, I'm in Canada, come me I'm like where are you in Canada? Oh, I'm in Toronto. I'm like, dude, I'm like, fifteen hours away from where you are.
0: <laughs> Driving, yeah, and that's happened, and that's happened to me too, and it happened to a bunch of my friends too. Like, yeah, they just assume that, you know. But yeah, it's it's um it's part of it. Canada is a big country, and
1: yeah, it is. So you you get in Saint Mary's. Uh, And what are you studying there? Like what, 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 what is it that you're trying to study?
0: Um, At first I started in business and then I switched to engineering. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. I started off in business. I had like a partial scholarship for business and then I I switched to engineering. I I don't know. Business kind of didn't excite me as much. And by when I was in St. Lucia, I worked for them the ministry as a project technician and worked for a few other places. I'd done like technician work all my life, kind of thing. So business didn't appeal to me as much as engineering did. Although that was a oh, wow. uh, hell of a decision. But yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh well. So you you're in here. You you got the do you do you have a community of people from St. Lucia in, in Nova Scotia or, or anybody that you
0: there were a few people here, but they weren't part of my community, if you get what I'm saying. There were a few St. Lucian people here. I, li- I literally came here alone. Um, I, I, I knew nobody, I knew, apart from the one guy who told me Nova Scotia was nice. I literally knew no one. I got to know people as I, but when I got here, I knew no one. I knew, I, knew, I, I didn't even know where the closest Sobeys was to kind of thing.
1: Wow, so you're like this is completely you're like a stranger in a place.
0: Yeah, yeah, literally.
1: Oh wow, so what was your first like? You you start living here, and and what was your first impression? Like, what was your first impression when you when you started kind of adapting?
0: Um, it was different. Um, it was people on the campus, and I'm going to say this distinctly: people on the campus were a lot more friendly than when you went out into the into the into the world because um i guess it's they have to be friendly to international students kind of thing and when you on a university campus it's um easy to forget that racism exists because everyone is so nice on the campus right and then um i end up going downtown with with some friends and realize at 2 3 a.m in the in the morning, you can't get a cab to go back home. <laughs> literally. Yep. Literally. And that sometimes still happens to this day. Um, yeah, literally, you can't. I remember one time we we had a because my friends with I my friend circle was very vast. I had all types of friends. And one time we went out with with a couple of friends, one of my friends from Germany, and we couldn't get a cab. And <laughs> We will buy. I think there was. There's uh, now. It's now the the Halifax Public Library, but there's a courthouse there. So what we asked our friend to do, our white friend to do, we asked him to stay by the um, by the street to flag down a cab, and we hid at the back in the bushes. And when and he I, like once he was with us, he couldn't get a cab, but once we hid. A cab stopped immediately and we just all came from the back. And the cab was like, No, 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 I'm not dropping you, but still ended up dropping us anyway. I think that's oh wow. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: That is insane. That's an insane story. That sounds like a like like the stories that people joke about in New York City back in the 80s, but it 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 is yeah. happening. Yeah. It, and
0: yeah.
1: And the funny thing is, is like, and again, we'll we'll go about this in a bit, like. Nova Scotia in Atlantic Canada is the place that there's more black population. Like when, when you think about where the black population is, you're in that place. <laughs> and, if, and, it, and it's, and it's in, it's yeah. still kind of, kind of hard. And, and one of the things that I, I kind of, I kind of point out to people and we're going to go through that in a bit. It's like, especially you that you're in the music industry and you you do, we're going to talk about that mixtape that I heard that had like, uh, Nova Scotia artists. I tell people, like, look, in Atlantic Canada, there is one big hip hop artist, and he's white.
0: Yeah, that's a fact. <laughs> that's a fact. Uh, yeah, that's a and fact. it's white, no.
1: and it, and it's like, and this is where black culture is. Black culture. If you go to the Maritimes, it's in Halifax. It's in Nova Scotia, Hammond Plains, North South Preston. You know, all of all of those areas. That's where the black, black square. The, the, square that's that's where the black oldest black culture is in Canada like we could say but the, if we look at the culture it's again if you look at even the the art the the art culture or the hip-hop culture the biggest rapper he's white
0: yeah 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 nothing not knocking him but that's just a fact it's as the he's the he's the biggest rapper and he's white that's 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 true yeah,
1: and it's because again, nothing wrong with him. He 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 has good songs and everything, but it's because of the appeal, right? When you're in a when you're white, white audiences, the majority is going to appeal to you, than when you are black or or, or any other race, people are not going to appeal because you're the minority.
0: Yeah, and 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 I I in in my thinking too, and and how I move professionally, I try to understand that because I think the population, the black population in Nova Scotia, is like two two point three percent right? And if you were to look at it in terms of the population of Nova Scotia, which is 900 and something thousand, that's probably just about 20,000 people. Um, So even if like you're looking at it in terms of metrics and, and people buying something from someone who looks familiar to them, there's almost like 800,000 people <laughs> like a market of 800,000 people to sell to versus 20,000 people if you understand what I'm saying kind of thing
1: yeah and, and that brings to like the understanding like people won't understand exactly when for example even if and that happens to people in Halifax which I talked to people that were born raised in Halifax that they just happen to be black do you get like where are you from thing is you're like Oh, I'm from Halifax. No, no, where are you really from? Like, no, 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 Halifax. I have never been out of here, and and you know, the, everybody thinks that you're not from here, even if you're the, from there. And and then you get the stuff like I cannot find a barber, or I cannot find this, or I cannot find that, and people don't understand that, but it's because they they that doesn't that doesn't really affect them. It's the same thing with racism, right? Like when you are in a place like Saint Lucia, you don't think you're you're black, because everybody's black.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly right, and and all your role models are black too. You understand what I'm saying? You have to the the people who are the people who you look up to. Most of them are black in the Caribbean, in Saint Lucia, at least, right? And you you come here, and it's a little bit of a different thing. If if you if you if you get what I'm saying, and so it's, sometimes it's just adapting to that, right? And understanding and understanding what it is and how you should maneuver in it, and
1: yeah government. yeah I, I 100% agree it's only when you're it's only when you come to places like this that they make you feel like oh no no you're you're different you're you're yeah. you're, you're different you're different yeah. and they it, in in atlantic canada and the maritimes it's a little bit subtle it's not like other places that other places are like just bland and here is yeah. like they're kind of nice but they're like yeah yeah but we're <laughs> not as nice as with the other white people yeah, <laughs> like yeah. we're nice to you but we're a different type of nice to the other person, right? So, yeah, so it's yeah. kind of, it, it's a bit that. So how do you get into music in Nova Scotia? Like you're here, you're studying, you're, how do you start getting into music here?
0: Okay. Um, so w- when I first came here, um, I, I didn't want anything to do with music. I came here and I wanted to finish as quickly as I could to reduce the amount of student debt and finish as quick as possible and get a job kind of thing, right? Um, yep. Life didn't work out like this. I was with, what, what really happened was um, I was with an artist um, and we were at a studio somewhere in Spring Garden in, 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 in Bigger Bridgecraft um, and we were in his, in, his, in his bedroom studio. I was working for artists, I can't remember um, which artist at the time. But yeah, I was working with an artist, and um, it was like he had a he had a turntable and he had some records. And you know the artist is working, they're making their song, and I'm sitting down with the artist. I think um, bored. Um, it was Ko. Ko was the artist actually. And then I just go put to on the turntables. I look for his record box. I take some. I think the record I took was G Unit on Fire. Um, we on fire, we on fire. And he had doubles of it. So I took it and I started scratching the record, like just because I was bored, right? And started scratching it. And I in around 2009, Facebook had just come out with the video because I don't know if you remember before Facebook was all pictures and they didn't have video before. And yep. they had just come out with the, the video update plugin thing. So um, unbeknownst to me while I'm scratching the records. So somebody is behind me recording it right and then they just put it up on facebook and i i didn't even know they recorded it so i'm going back to campus and the next couple of days and everybody's like i didn't know you dj and I, how did you find out um they're like we saw this video on facebook and the video had something like two three hundred likes and then um it was a friend of mine who was like yo Cat, why you don't start DJing? And I'm like, I didn't really come here for that. I just came here to get my education and leave. And I thought about it. I thought about it. I, the next day I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to do this. I, I did some surveys. I went into the different dances, clubs. I listened to what the DJs were playing. And I'm like, yeah, I could probably bring my skills over here. Um, save some money. I had a job at the catering service on the campus and I was saving everything from that. And when I had enough money, I got like a one mixer and one turntable kind of scenario. And I started practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing. And one day I just got called for an opportunity and I killed it. And I've been DJing (laughs) from that night since.
1: Oh wow! So you were like that's kind of crazy that you weren't into it and it just stumbled. It went it went viral, was we would say, and and yeah. that's like so you kind of refined, you, you kind of refound yourself with that in, unintentionally.
0: Yeah, because um, prior to that video, I hadn't DJed for maybe a year and a half before, right? And I was I was like I was, I was just going to the studio to support my friend at the time, kind of thing, and. Saw so something tables and I got the itch and <laughs> it went viral at the time. We didn't even know what viral was yet <laughs> at that time, kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. So like you do that and you start doing parties and you start getting the stuff. Talk talk about like what is the, the Amazona uh sound sound system or collective. What is that about?
0: So, Amazona is like a sound system. Uh, a, well, a DJ crew started by me and my brethren back in the day, um, Big Up J.O. And um, we we started playing music in different places. It's a collective. At the time when we started, our intention was just to play like St. Lucian reggae music at the time because it started from St. Lucia. But then over time, it evolved and... We started buying dub plates. I don't know if you know what a dub plate is in sound system culture. Um, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> all right. We started buying dub plates and started entering a few clashes. And that is really, I mean, that is really Amazon in a nutshell, right?
1: Okay. So let me just explain to, to our listener what a clash is. Because that is very, very West Indies. That is super West Indies. So yeah. a clash is like a battle. Well, in Jamaica... The, they call DJs MCs and DJs, they call them uh, Master Ceremony Dependents. But yeah, two sound systems and they go at each other with the mixes. And it, there's a lot of variants. Like yeah. it's your flow, it's your sound. It, it, there's a whole, whole lot of things going on. How
0: and, you introduce and, the record as well, how you introduce the song, how you present the music, all that comes to it as well.
1: Yeah, so if you haven't seen it, like if I will advise people, if you've never seen a Clash, go see the Jamaican Clash with the reggae artists you won't understand anything that's going on because i don't understand what the hell is going on but it's pretty fun
0: yeah
1: yeah it's it's
0: it's actually the sound clash is actually a part of jamaican culture which essentially became what the beginning of hip-hop was because the sound clash culture is what cool hook took and brought to the states and yeah. Yeah,
1: that was it, Pop. Yeah, that, that exact yeah. that's exactly it. You you can actually there is a, a place in Netflix. Uh there's a couple of documentaries in Netflix about that. And there's also a, a little dramatic called The Get Down, which is kind of explains no. how it how it, it is. It's it's kind of it's fictitious, but it, it gives you kind of like the history of how, how it went. Yeah. So you are in Nova Scotia, you get this, and, and you start doing music. I'm assuming you graduate from engineering
0: yeah I well during the journey I took a few years off and there was one time I was exclusively djing that's all I did <laughs> really how come yeah. um well, it was mainly a monetary issue, and I wanted to make some extra cash um so I took over some time and that's that's what that's what that's what I did and it was it you know what it was nice at times and it was really hard at
1: times and i again i can tell you because i have a, a music background and and again i i don't uh, you know i i've been a jury at the junos at the grammys i i done a whole bunch of stuff i've done record labels and i know the struggle of artists doesn't matter what it is money's tight
0: yeah 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 and, and and to the outside world it it, it it seemed like I was doing well, kind of thing, right? because I was playing at almost every every almost every club downtown. Um, but then sometimes you still have to keep up with bills and stuff and um, because I had to say I'd stopped playing Caribbean dances and I'd switched to like the EDM world because I, I, I love dance music and I never knew I would kind of thing. Um, and that happened like uh, pretty early on because <laughs> the reggae, I, I started off as a reggae dancehall DJ because that's where I came from and Soca as well. But when I got here, I understood that the reggae dancehall market was pretty small and it was really territorial at the time. So I had a friend who invited me to a kega one day. And I don't know if you know what a kega was, but it was, a party where there's kegs and everyone just drops their beer from the keg and yep. he's like we need a dj and the first guy was playing for another dj and he was playing a lot of dance music so i could like i could do that so i went home and i researched and researched edm and i prepared a set and went to the next keg i killed it and i started to move in the edm direction from from that day and kind of leave the dance all soaker for because it was a really small market kind of thing and yeah i went into edm that way and and from that way i ended up playing in most of the clubs downtown
1: oh wow that, that's crazy and you know what the funny thing is is like i i come from the electronic music world and what most people don't know is that house music and techno it comes from black people uh yeah three three black people created techno in detroit that was where techno started. Uh, Kevin Sanderson, Juan Atkins, and uh, yeah, Kevin Sanderson, Juan Atkins, and I don't remember the other guy. I I do uh, I do have him somewhere. Uh, and house music comes from a guy called Frankie Knuckles in Chicago.
0: Frankie Knuckles, yeah,
1: yeah. That's that's where the that's where uh, the electronic music are. So when people say like house music, this white people stuff, I'm like, no, no, you got to kind of twist it. This is.
0: When, once you start doing the research, you understand exactly where dance and house music comes from. And it's really intriguing. It's almost the start of, of house music is almost like the start of reggae music, in a, in a way, kind of thing. How it started, yeah.
1: Yeah, it would started uh, in mostly gay clubs, and it started at a place called The Warehouse.
0: Yeah, and it when you parallel to reggae, dance hall, reggae was played in the dance hall with the sound systems. And like house music, it was played in the warehouses, kind of thing. So, it's that parallel right there, kind of thing. Because um, the dance hall was where people would hear the sound system, which was considered the poor man's radio station at the time. So,
1: it, yeah, that it's it, it still is at some points. Like when you when you see it in in the Caribbean and places now, it's now it's more glamorized because of cars and stuff. But yeah, 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 it yeah, is definitely we'll, so. So talk about is that. Like you, you you had a really weird point. You said that dance hall, Soka, it's a really small market. Uh it, it is be, it's very, very small. Yeah, very small. Uh market. is there any venues in Nova Scotia that play that type of music?
0: Um there used to be. Like I I there aren't any venues dedicated to that kind of music. The venues where you get that kind of music also do hip-hop events and also do other events kind of thing, right? Um, I Since I've lived here, I've never heard of a venue that's specifically dedicated to reggae and dance. Never. I think there used to be one club which did it called... Um, I want to say Coconut Grove, but they also did hip-hop events, so there's never been a dedicated a dedicated club to that
1: yeah because now here uh in I live in Moncton in New Brunswick and there is like an afro beat kind of a Caribbean night kind of club now okay, okay. there's just one so and and that's one of the things that I'm like okay that this is kind of the you know as every club but it's there is it's kind of moving so you would think that Halifax would kind of be going that direction as well because it's a bigger place
0: yeah they yeah <laughs> They are, like, over the years, Halifax has, has gotten a lot more multicultural compared to when I got here. And um, there are a lot of venues opening opening up to that kind of stuff. They're probably like one, two, three, which support that kind of stuff. But they also do the hip-hop parties as well, if you understand what I'm saying. It's not just dedicated to reggae and dancehall. Then there's probably just one club alone dedicated to urban music and yeah there's one probably one club alone dedicated to urban music oh wow that that is insane like dedicated the other clubs the other clubs they do it they 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 do have these events but they're not dedicated to it if you understand what i'm saying
1: yeah i i i get i get i get where you're coming from so that's 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 kind of that's kind of interesting to know because i i mean and that's one of the things that I, I try to emphasize is that, you know, a lot of the culture that you see, it's it's mainly it, it comes from different places, but it, it's not shown properly, maybe because it doesn't give the money that it's supposed to give. And yeah. again, it's all about dollars and cents, but it, it's also about like the show machine, like somebody like you that that you've been here for quite a while. You, you've done stuff with rappers and and you play Dancehall and reggae, but uh it, it's not showcased as much. And and I saw that you have you've been in magazines and you've been in different radios. What what do you think is that that it's not shown as much in in the Maritimes as it I think it should be.
0: Um, I think because it's not looked at as a commercial music kind of thing. Um, well, reggae used to be, but I think it's. I, I think venues kind of don't see the earning potential for them when it comes to that kind of music versus if they just keep like a hip-hop night or a dance music night where it will get those fans anywhere and they come spending money I I I, I feel as if it's not seen that way or maybe some of the, the club owners don't understand it kind of thing Um, it could be that too but I, I more think it's not seen as really commercial here and that's and it probably will be as as the maritime starts to get more multicultural and they start to understand the value of this music um but that's what i think i think it's in some ways still looked at as underground music versus the mainstream so
1: well, like I said, you already did the DJ thing full time. Uh, what was your biggest accomplishment here uh, that you see in the Maritimes? Like, what do you think is like, oh, this is this was pretty cool that I did here.
0: Um, I did a lot of things. Um, what could I say? I think one of my one of my high points would be like, do, like doing a show and, and hosting the show for Mob Deep, the rappers Mob Deep. Um. And traveling too, I I I I was fortunate enough to travel quite a bit to play music, and 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 that in itself. But that's not in the maritimes. But I think one of my high points would be doing that show for Mob Deep because I had always been fans of that group, and and it was like one of the last shows Prod- Prodigy did before he died, kind of thing. So. That was like a magical moment. I'd say that's my high point, but I've done a lot of things. I used to be the DJ for the basketball team. Um I used to be missed at that. Most
1: of- I, I missed I missed the basketball thing. That was my thing in Moncton and it they, they shut it down. It was <laughs> yeah, they sad. Shut it. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I used to do that. Um what else? I, I've done s- like I can't remember all of it now because at the time you're just working and pretty much grinding to get to the next thing, but I've done so many. I think I've almost done. An, oh, another high point for me was that um, I got to do the close the Gortegen Street 250 festival as the headliner for the Saturday night. Um, that was pretty big for me. I was the headliner for one night, and then Scratch Bastard was the headliner for the other night. Um, mm-hmm. That was pretty big for me. Um, and then oh. the festival, the festivals I've done too. Yeah. Pretty big. Yeah. I've done, I've, I've done, I've done a lot. <laughs> yeah. quite. A bit. Yeah, that's cool. So, so I, I, and I want
1: to ask you, cause I, I read your, I read your bio and I, I found it pretty interesting. I, I work for some festivals in, in in Atlantic Canada. And one of the things that for me is kind of awkward is that there's not really a lot of black DJs or black music or black people. There's kind of a couple of two or three, but when you look at the the size of it there's a lot of things people like you there's a lot of djs there's a lot of artists there's a lot of stuff going on and i'm not necessarily going to hip-hop because hip-hop is mainstream right now but i'm talking to like afro beats uh you know reggae dancehall soca why don't what happens do you think is that people don't apply to those festivals people don't get considered what what do you exactly think may be the problem going that there's kind of like a disconnect
0: between, between um, the music and the festivals. I, you know what? I've, I've, um, every year, regardless of what I've done in, in, in this city, I, I still get asked to apply to festivals. Regardless of what I've done, I still get asked to apply. <laughs> and sometimes, and I'm always wondering, well, okay, if everybody has to apply. And sometimes I've applied and sometimes I haven't gotten a call back. Sometimes I've applied and I've gotten a call back. Um, whereas, in some other, whereas in another situation Somebody heard my mixtape in Europe And flew me to Europe to do a two week tour <laughs> Kind of thing um, I'm guessing People Stay away from what they don't understand Because I, I see a lot of potential For like Soca, dancehall, Afrobeats At most of these festivals And there are quite a number of DJs in. If you just look at Halifax alone Who do Soca dance all Afro beats, but they're not really playing at the festival. So I guess people just stay away from what they don't understand.
1: Oh wow, that that's that's something that that's really good So I mean, uh, and I want to ask you a couple of last questions because again, I know that you know t- time is valuable. to so already, and I I think I, I we need to talk behind the scenes because I think we need to we definitely need to talk. But I mean, we could talk for hours. But I, I have one of the things like. You still, you know, you 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 lived at I, you you went to university, and you're still here. What what made you stay in in Nova Scotia?
0: Um, I I like it here. Eh? Um, I'm an island boy, so I'm next to the water kind of thing. And I don't know, that's I don't know if the the water has some kind of magnetic pull for for, for island people, but that's 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 something that kind of draws me here. Um and I've been so long I've, I've I've grounded, put my roots here and everything. Um and I and I have like I I like it here to be honest. I like the I like so I like the people. Um, it's it's a place where, especially in Halifax, it's it's a it's a safer city. I don't have to walk at night most times and look over my back and wonder if somebody's looking at me to rob me kind of thing. It's more of like a safer city than other cities. So. I like it here for that.
1: Okay. Yeah. I definitely, I, I definitely think that that, is, uh, that that is a great thing. So, uh, one of the things, if people want to find you, want to find the projects that you're, because you have a mixtape out. I saw it. I heard it. It was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Where do they find your stuff and, and what you currently have in the works?
0: Um, well, you could find any of my stuff at DJ underscore Topcat with a K T O P K A T. Um, on Instagram, also um, on my Instagram, I have a link to all to all my um, my mixes and stuff. Um, so my Mixcloud link, if you just if you just um, type in Topcat Amazona Topcat with a key, Amazona um, Mixcloud, you'll probably find my stuff. Or DJ Topcat um, Mixcloud, you'll find my stuff. And on, on a, and on Soundcloud too, I have quite a lot of mixes out, and that's not even all the mixes I have done, <laughs> um, but quite a lot on Mixcloud. Um, snapchat topcat amazona um scotia and smoke which we didn't get a chance to talk about but um scotia and smoke is like our most recent project it's a project um distinctly with nova Scotian hip-hop artists and um yeah right now we're looking at getting enough music to do the second one um because the process of doing that tape was a hell of a process because we went through so many songs and our goal for putting out this mixtape was to try and get at least the next Drake or next Tory lanes from the Maritimes. And I know, and I know they're here somewhere um, because I hear the music and I hear a lot of talent in, in the music. Um, so that's our goal. So we're going to, and we're going to keep putting out these tapes to, to motivate artists to consistently keep putting out good music, because the only way we can get that, that artist to go globally from our community, is to just have them keep putting out constantly, constantly putting out good music. Yeah.
1: yeah, I, I hundred, hundred I percent agree. Hopefully, we'll get that next Drake, Tory Lanes, or the weekend. Like we forget the weekend yeah, is also on the from-
0: weekend, and they're and they're probably here in in one of the maritime provinces somewhere.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. So my last question for you is, what does it feel to be black in the Maritimes?
0: It's it's unique. It's um. It's, it's a struggle at times, um, but at times it feels good to maintain my identity to be Black. It's, it's difficult at times, but it's great at times as well too. Um, and when I say difficult, in, <laughs> I, I drove a car for a year and got stopped by the police five times and never had a ticket, never got a ticket. So that part of being Black in the Maritimes is what I don't like Um, but I like collaborating with other black people other native people in the Maritimes and for me that is what being black in the Maritimes is about Um, connecting with your culture and also collaborating with great people, meeting great people because the whole system is not like that, it's just parts of the system but it's just for me the people who make me feel that I can be myself as a black person in the Maritime.
1: Mm, that's cool. That that that's pretty cool. So yeah, I mean Top Cap Amazona, DJ Topcat. I mean, it, again, we could talk for hours here, but
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we could talk for hours and um yeah, we should we probably both don't have that time, but um it was really nice. And yeah, I anytime maybe when we put out the next one i could send it over to you and we could do it again and get that story because with my story it's it's probably a lot more than an hour because i i've I've just had so many experiences here um in terms of music um but yeah it's pretty good
1: yeah yeah for sure i could hopefully we could see that so again guys uh if you want to no more check out uh top card episode of the year top comes to social media links uh don't forget to subscribe to our podcast shout out to the people that are donating i would really appreciate that uh please subscribe and apple music spotify wherever you get your podcast don't forget to go to our social media black in the maritimes and you want anything else you want to say
0: one shameless plug to all the artists up and coming established listening to this, send us send me your your music at Topcat Amazona, T-O-P-K-A-T-A-M-A-Z-O-N-A at gmail.com. Even if you think it's not good, we'll probably provide you some some criticism because it's not about putting anybody down here. It's just like trying to get the best product that we could sell to the rest of the world um, in terms of music. So all upcoming artists send send us your music and stuff. Shameless plug <laughs>
1: that's okay well what we'll do is actually we'll put it on the bio link so when people go to black you'll see the mixtape you will see the social and you see everything so you can check it out there once you once you check out the podcast on the website so thank you man
0: thank you for having me fidel thank you thank you i really appreciate it peace right, peace